Good evening. It's the first time I'm preaching without a proper Bible. I've never done that before. I have got a Bible, it's just electronic. Um, Yeah, we are living in extraordinary days, aren't we? Um, I, I really do believe that we're living in incredibly extraordinary days where we're seeing God do... Well, when I talk for myself, I'm seeing God do more today than I have seen him do 12 months ago. In fact, I went through... But, you know, I, I spent seven years going through a religious system. And through those seven years, I saw next to no progress. Spiritually, in my encountering with God, I encountered him, I saw him, but I didn't really develop in the things of God. And in the past, you know, 12 months, I've seen God work in my life in ways that I'd never seen him before. And, and I get really excited because... As a, as a community, we're seeing breakthroughs. We're seeing God open up the realms of heaven, open up realms of revelation like, like I, I've never seen before. And I truly believe that as we uh, progress in him, we're going to come into so much more. We're, we're going to come into the realms of um, more than we can ask or imagine. I really believe that. I I, I believe that there are things that we're going to come into that we could not conceive. And that gets me really excited. Um, So what I want to talk about today is I I want to talk about what, what I would call the divine process into sonship. Um, in, in John um, 1, 12, uh, it says, you know, to all who believe, he gave the right to become children of God. Um, but in Romans, it, it says that creation is longing for the sons of God to be revealed. And there's this process that... That we're meant to go on. You know, when we get born again, we receive Jesus into our life. We, we see him as Lord and Savior. We become children of God. We are born again as children. But the process is that we would get matured, that we would grow in the things of God, that we would become sons of God, that we would actually live on earth as Jesus lived when he was on, on earth. And, um, you know, it's my responsibility for me, my, my development, my growth is my responsibility. But I'm also awaiting an outpouring of salvation that is beyond anything that I've ever, ever imagined. And who's going to take responsibility for the growth of those that come into our environment, the children, Who's going to take responsibility to, to disciple them and, and bring them into that place of maturity? Well, I'm willing to do that. You know, I'm willing to, 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 to take up that responsibility. And it is a massive responsibility. Because like I say, you know, if you listen to the prophetic words that are coming out, we are literally on the cusp of an outpouring of salvation that is beyond measure. Um... And my concern is that, you know, it it takes an adult to raise a child. 
It takes a, a son of God to raise a son of God, to take a child and actually teach them and instruct them in the ways of God to bring them into maturity. And my concern, I'm not talking about Eastgate, I'm talking about the church across the board. My concern is that that actually, in some respects, and I don't say this in a condescending or, or a kind of a patronizing way, But what I've experienced is that there's actually a lot of children raising children. And I will elaborate on that as we move on. But I can say that because I was one of them. You know, a a number of years back, I was a child that was trying to raise children. I, I was pretending like I was all big and mature and a big, strong Christian. But actually... Actually, I wasn't, and and I was in a position trying to raise up um, raise up believers. And so, I'm just going to share a little bit about my story. And I, I've already shared in previous times um, a little bit about my background. But uh, when I was 18 years old, I had a, an outstanding, phenomenal encounter with God. Um, I wasn't looking for Him, but He found me, um, and it literally shook me to my core. Um, in this encounter, now understand that I was completely unchurched, I had no theology, I just encountered God. And, and in this encounter, I, I saw a God that was all-powerful, I saw a God that was limitless, and I saw a God that called me his own. Um, there was nothing between me and him. He, he literally, we were one, he made me one with him. And um, it was outstanding. It, it really was outstanding. I was in South Africa at the time, and um, I wasn't part of a church. And I, I spent about four or six weeks with my dad, who was an amazing man of God. And then I came back to the UK, and I had about 18 months where I wasn't part of a church. Uh, and through that process, what I'd say is that God discipled me. Um, I, I wasn't discipled by man because I wasn't part of a church. I didn't really know any Christians. Um, all I was doing was pursuing God. I'd encountered, I'd had an encounter with the God of all creation. And all I wanted was him. So literally what I did every single day, I woke up and I knew the presence of God because I'd met him. And so I just wanted to pursue his presence. And the other thing that I wanted was for him to teach me. I knew that he was all powerful. I knew that he had no limits. And I knew that he was in me. And therefore, I could do anything. Now, I I read the Bible, but I didn't have much theology at that point. So I couldn't have said... Uh, what's the scripture? Christ, uh, with Christ I can do all things. I didn't have that as a, a theology, but I knew that I'd encountered God and I knew that I could do anything. I just wanted him to show me how to do it. Uh, and so for the best part of 18 months, I submit myself to the Father and I wanted him to teach me. And that's exactly what he did. But he taught me through everyday life. He taught me through what I was doing when I was doing it. Um, I, I used to love praying and seeking God, just worshipping him. And um, I, I, and so one time, you know, I, I'm just worshipping God, I'm praying, and my brother phones me up, and he's concerned. He's, he, he says, the cat's, the cat's gone. We had a cat at the time, a cat called Sabre. 
And he said, the cat's gone. Uh, he said, the, the cat's, she's not, she's not been here for two days. Now, I'm a baby Christian. I haven't even been part of a church. I don't know much apart from God. I've encountered him. He's real and I'm with him and he's with me. And so I, I said to my brother, I said, don't worry. She'll come back. And he said, no, you don't understand. She never does this. She's not. I said, Tim, don't worry. She'll come back. I, I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I just had a confidence in God. So anyway, I get back home, walk through the door. The first thing Tim does, he walks up to me, says, the cat, the cat. I said, the cat will come back. As I walk into the living room, we had these patio doors that were open. As I stand there, the cat comes running in. I was a baby. I was a baby, but God was teaching me. He was revealing his ways to me. He was showing me peace. And he was showing me actually how I can take peace and speak it into a situation. God was discipling me. Um, man, that there's so many instances that I... I I could. T- what I want to get across is that God disciples us. In the very things that we're doing when we're doing them. Just to give you an example, like I said, I was a child. I was a baby Christian. uh, But I said to God every minute of every day, teach me, show me. And, And so one time I'm playing Monopoly, once again with my brother. I'm quite a competitive individual. Um... And, uh, and so my brother cheats. He does something. He broke the rule. And this holy rage ra- rose up within me. You know, I was like, God, let's take him down. But then I just felt that the, the still, small voice of God, he said, no, just wait. And I was like, whoa, okay. And, and I just want to get across that this was God teaching me. It was God training me. So I just stopped. I was like, I'm really annoyed that he's just cheated. God said, just wait, just wait. The next go, it was mine. I rolled the dice. And because of what he did previously, because of his cheat, it actually positioned me in such a way to roll the dice and make the move that would win me the game. That that was God. You think, well, it's a game of monopoly. Does it even matter? Do you know what it does? It does, because in that moment in time, it mattered to me. And whatever matters to me matters to God. Um, you see, God doesn't do discipleship courses. He, he says, I'm going to come into your life and I'm going to be with you in the things that, that you're doing and I'm going to teach you how I would do them. That's what he wants to do. He wants to reveal his ways to us. And, you know, I was learning the ways of God. I was learning how to hear him. I was learning dimensions of, of love. I was learning how to release healing. You know, I, I'd walk down the street and I would have what I call divine whoopsies. You know, where it's like God breaks out, but it was by accident. I didn't mean to do it. That's what God wants to bring us into where we're walking in such a measure of supernatural power that we touch somebody and as far as I'm concerned, accidentally they get healed. Obviously, it's God just doing it through us. And, and so, as far as I was concerned, in terms of, 
my understanding of God and my understanding of his kingdom and my understanding as to how I operate in him was growing incredibly. I was learning how to walk on earth as a son of God. But I wasn't part of a church. Um, And at that point, I knew I needed to be part of a church. I had to be part of something bigger than myself. And so I, I joined a church. Um, and at that point, I started getting discipled by man. I submit myself to discipleship processes, not God's discipleship process, but man's discipleship process. And I'm not going to go into the details because I, I really I don't think it would be helpful. But if I can say, you know, that the first 18 months of my Christian life were amazing and I developed in an incredible way the next seven years When I finished that seven-year period, I was no better off than when I started. Unfortunately. And when I look back, now I'll say this, I believe I've been through that season for a reason. And I believe that having been through it, I feel like my life mandate is actually to to shine a light and expose the religious spirit for what it is. In fact, we, we call... In a religious spirit, as though it's one step down from the Holy Spirit, but it's not. You know, the religious spirit is demonic in nature, it's destructive. The religious spirit is the very spirit that crucified Christ. And, uh, and I feel like it's my mandate to actually expose that and bring people into a place of liberty, a place of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But when I look back, I think to myself, why was it that, that somebody didn't come alongside me and say, hey, you're beginning to see the mysteries of God. Let me take you deeper. You know, why, why was it that, that I couldn't be positioned alongside somebody that had a revelation and understanding of the ways of God to be raised in that way. Because in this coming season, like I say, if, if you know, we're building annexes, there are things taking place, we're getting ready for a harvest that is to come, but it's our responsibility to raise the next generation. And we've got a choice. We can do it our way, or the way that we think is best, or we can do it God's way. Uh, and I think we should do it God's way. Um, th- there's a scripture uh, in uh, Proverbs 22.6. It says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. You know, I'm so glad that I had those first 18 months where I could just encounter God and he could lay a foundation in me. Because I've not departed from that foundation. There are a few roadblocks and bumps and speed bumps and what have you. But I have now can come back into that place of, God, what is, is, what is it that you've got for me? But what I want to say is that the first three years of a child's life, now I've just made that up, but I know it's roughly around there, are the most important You know, that the first few years of a child's life are the most forming years of that child. And I believe it's the same when somebody gets born again. You know, what they come into essentially lays a foundation for them to move forward with. And that's why it's so important that we get it right. 
Um, so, so what is the process, the, the divine process into sonship? Um, th- th- there's a few uh, instances in scripture where it talks about children maturing and coming through into that place of, uh, of maturity. Um, one of them is, is um, Samuel. In 1 Samuel 2.26, it says, The young man, Samuel, continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. Um, John the Baptist, in Luke 1 verse 80, it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance. That's irrelevant. But it's the fact that he grew and became strong in spirit. And then Jesus, in Luke 2.40, says, And the child grew, he became strong, he was filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Uh, And this is the... Really, the scripture for the message is, is Luke 2.52. says, And Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature and maturity. And he grew in favor with God and man. That, I believe, is the format, is the, uh, the, the process that God desires we would all go through to come into a place of maturity. Now, the enemy has a clear strategy to stop us from entering in to everything that God has for us. And, and one of the ways that he does that is by creating a counterfeit, is by taking what is good, pure, and holy and actually manipulating it, changing it so it's void of power and actually benefits us in no way whatsoever. So Jesus grew in wisdom. You know, the, the process is growing in wisdom, in spiritual understanding. He had spiritual insight. He understood the ways of God. I wish that there was another book in the Bible. You know, the early years, the gospel, the early years, because I would love to see how Jesus got to that point. But he grew in such a measure of wisdom, of such a measure of spiritual understanding, that he could come and say, you know, you say this, but I say this. And he brought God's heart, God's vision. He brought the ways of God across and released that into people. He grew in wisdom Uh, But more than just having wisdom, he personified it. You know, wisdom personified is maturity. He appropriated the ways of God into his, into who he was and he walked in them as a mature man. And what that did, it released him into a realm of favor that has not yet been paralleled, I believe, yet. But the offer is there for us to do even more than what he did. So what's the counterfeit? You see that the process Jesus went on was wisdom, maturity, and favor. That the counterfeit is knowledge. Grow in knowledge. You know, in those seven years, I say I didn't really progress. I didn't develop spiritually. But I did develop in terms of knowledge. I came out of that with a head full of knowledge and an empty heart. But the counterfeit is knowledge. And instead of... Coming into a place of spiritual maturity, it's about being disciplined. 
You know, we become good disciplined believers. And once you've got that, you've got the knowledge, you've got the discipline, you then set out to a life of works. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I, I got the knowledge, I, I trained myself, I would pray and, and read the word and do all of the good disciplines, fasting. I was the best faster out there. And I got to a point where we were going to go and, you know, even plant a church. And, and God opened my eyes and showed me my true spiritual state. And I thought, I can't disciple people into this. I can't. You know, I, I might have looked like a professional Christian, but God showed me my heart. And the reality was I was a child. You know, I was like this, trying to be a professional Christian. I, I was still wearing a nappy. That's the reality. You see, when we elevate knowledge above wisdom, we promote law instead of grace. Um, you know, wisdom trumps grace every single time. What, what I wanted to do as an illustration was have a, a set of weighing scales. You know, the, 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 not the electric ones, but... And I wanted to have two weights that were exactly the same in terms of what they look like. One being knowledge, one being wisdom. You put the knowledge on and obviously there's nothing to counterbalance it. Put the wisdom on and the knowledge flies off. Now, I'm not saying that knowledge isn't important. Obviously it is. Wisdom says gain knowledge. But it understands that wisdom is far supreme. And if we elevate knowledge above wisdom, we're in trouble. It's the same with discipline. You know, I'm not saying that discipline isn't important, but spiritual maturity, the ability to understand the ways of God and walk in them, is far more important than praying you know, every hour of every day, reading the Bible and having all of your disciplines sorted. And works, you know, works are important. Of course they are. You know, works, faith without works is dead. But works without faith is deader. You know, it, these things are, are important, but... But if we don't allow, if we don't understand the process of wisdom and appropriating that wisdom into our lives so that we might enter into the favor of God, we will miss it. We'll miss it. And there are two things that I feel if we've allowed ourselves to be affected by what I would call the counterfeit process. If, if we've elevated knowledge above wisdom, and if we've had a higher regard for discipline instead of maturity, true spiritual maturity, um, then I think there are two ways that, we, that we're affected by that. You know, the, the first is, like I say, if we elevate... Uh, knowledge above law, uh, sorry, knowledge above wisdom, we promote law over grace. Now, internally, if we've allowed that, if we've cultivated a mindset of, uh, you know, giving knowledge that place of supremacy, we actually create a, a culture inside that prevents us being able to access the realms of wisdom that God wants to release to us. 
And the other thing is, is, you know, when we live in a, in a way where knowledge and wisdom and everything comes out of the Bible, we actually, well, I'll speak for myself. I brought myself to a place of actually believe, not believing that God can release the revelatory realm of God to me because I was so trapped in it's got to come from the book. Now, the book is so important. I'm not belittling the word of God. But the Bible is there to enable us to encounter God. It's there to bring us into experiences and encounters with God that we might meet him, know him, understand him, begin to know his ways, because only then can we actually start to understand the Bible. You see, we can't learn the ways of God through a lecture or a sermon. The ways of God are learned relationally through intimacy with God. We can read and study the Bible and, of course, receive revelations. But God wants to take us so much further than that. He wants to bring us into the the, the ways of wisdom that go so far beyond. You know, it was by wisdom that Jesus walked on water. It was by wisdom that when a man's ear had been cut off, he put his hand and healed him. Because he knew the ways of God. So wisdom, you know that there is a wisdom of this world and it looks good, but it's not the wisdom of heaven. And the wisdom of heaven is very, very different. Um, in, uh, where is it? In 1 Corinthians 1, I think, um, it talks about the wisdom of man being foolishness to God. And the wisdom of God being foolishness to man. And, you know, if we want to pursue the ways of wisdom, we have to be prepared to look a little bit foolish and actually do that which doesn't make sense. But it's so worth it. You know, one time actually I I remember I was in um, a a coffee shop in Bromley and a friend of mine walked past. I got chatting to him. I was... What I would class as poor at the time. I didn't have much money and I wasn't earning much money. And I'm talking to my friend. And as I'm talking to him, I heard that small voice of wisdom say, give him 300 pounds. I only had 300 pounds in my bank. I was terrified. What I did, I went to a cash point, took that money, put it in an envelope and posted it through his door. It scared me because that was all I had. But that's the voice of wisdom. Well, let let me just say, actually, giving somebody your last £300 isn't actually wise unless it's in obedience to wisdom. The result of that was breakthrough. Wisdom, God's wisdom looks like foolishness to man, but it's so much better. I'm just going to read a little bit from um, 1 Corinthians 2. This is Paul describing the type of wisdom that I'm trying to get across. Um, he says, well, in, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1, he talks about, he said, when I uh, came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming, um, you know, with great wisdom. I cl- came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power because that's where he wanted their faith to rest as children. He wanted their faith to rest in the power of God, not the wisdom of man. But he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6, he says, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. 
Although it's not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which has, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it's written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart has imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things he has revealed to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. That's what he wants to reveal to us is the depths of God, that we would know him, that we'd know his ways. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not, we, now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely that God has given to us. These mysteries, the, the, the depths of God, he's made freely aware to us. And he goes on to say, and we impart this wisdom in words not taught by human, sorry, we in, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of God for their folly to him. And he's not unable to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the spirit of God. And he wants to release uh, realms of wisdom, realms of spiritual insight and understanding that take us into that realm of, I've never even imagined this. Be more than we can ask or imagine. If you've got Bibles, just turn to Hebrews um, 5. So that wisdom is on offer. The wisdom's available to us. In fact, in James, do you know what it says? If anybody seeks wisdom, or if anybody lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You know, this wisdom isn't hard to find. We've simply got to ask with one condition. When you ask, you must believe and do not doubt. So if we ask God for wisdom, if we ask him to show us his ways and we truly believe he will, he will show them to us. But there's a process of taking his ways and appropriating them into our lives. In Hebrews 5 verse 7, it talks of Jesus. It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned through obedience, through what he suffered. He he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation. When Jesus was born, obviously he was 
perfect. He, he was sinless, but he went on a process of maturity to come to the place where the author of Hebrews says, being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation. How did he do that? He learned obedience through what he suffered. You know, in Romans 5 verse 3, it talks about, you know, we rejoice in our suffering. You see, if we pursue the way of wisdom, it will open up suffering. And Paul says, rejoice in your suffering because we know it produces character, endurance, hope. And so in order, you know, for us to enter into that place of spiritual maturity, it's not about how much you pray, how much you do, your disciplines. It's about taking the wisdom of God and saying, right, I'm going to work this into my being. And it won't be easy. But it's so worth it. And um, just reading on in Hebrews... In verse 12, he says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have had their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What does maturity look like? It looks like somebody who's had the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to to distinguish good and evil, to know the ways of God. And he goes on to say, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ And go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation. And he goes on to talk about repentance, works from the dead. He's saying there's so much more for us to access in terms of the realms of wisdom. Let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ. You think that's, that's a, that's a big statement. That's a really big statement. What is on offer? There's so much more, you know, the wisdom that Paul speaks of that is beyond what any eye has seen, is beyond what any heart has heard. It's actually beyond what any heart can can conceive, but we have the Spirit of God. We have the mind of Christ that we can know what he has made available to us. And, And here's the beautiful thing, you see, if we're willing to enter into that that walk that pursuit of wisdom, uh, and we're willing to actually work with God to have that wisdom worked into us that we'd enter into maturity, we would enter in, we will enter into that realm of favor, which was the favor by which Jesus did everything that he did. You know, we can ride off other people's favor. You can come into this environment, you can do um, SS. SSM, ESSL, and you can come into that environment and you can actually encounter the favor of God and you can experience it and it's great. But the question is when you leave, does the favor leave with you? And what I'm 
God has favor for us as individuals to enter into that is beyond where we're at right now. You know, when I got born again, I spoke in tongues because other people had fought for that. The next generation will access healing freely because this generation is fighting for it. That's our inheritance. But there is favor that God has stored in heaven for me to access. If I'm willing to pursue wisdom, if I'm willing to submit myself fully to the discipleship of my father, to become mature, that I might enter into that favor, that I might add to the inheritance that the next generation will bring. You know, we're living in extraordinary days. There's darkness out there. You know, many people think the church are going to become, you know, just fighting in the darkness. It's rubbish. We are going to rise up and we're going to shine the brightest light as we enter in, as God brings us into that place of sonship, as he brings us into a place of understanding his ways and walking in them on earth. The question is, are we willing to, to pursue wisdom? Are we willing to pursue maturity and enter into his favor that we might be that shining light? But then we have the choice, will we we raise the next generation in that way? Will we be those sons and daughters of God that understand him, that can actually raise a generation up as sons instead of just giving them information about a God that is unknown? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to pull it to a close there, but I'm just going to ask that the Lord God would release wisdom upon us. Will you just stand to your feet? Father God, I thank you that you are the God of wisdom. Father, I thank you that you hold nothing back from us. You hold nothing back from us. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has conceived what you have stored for us. But you've made it freely available to us. Father, Father, give us wisdom, give us insight, give us spiritual understanding, I pray, that we would know your ways. Father, let us know your ways. Father, reveal your ways to us. And I ask, Father God, that that where we have gone through the wrong process, Father, where we have um, given knowledge the supremacy over wisdom, that we would repent right now for that. That we would um, sever that tie that, that actually through knowledge we can attain you. Father, reveal yourself to us. Give us wisdom. Give us insight. Give us understanding into who you are. Amen.